it's Dungeon Master Mike, and we just wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to all our patrons on Patreon who support us here at Legend Lore and at SNWP. We couldn't do this thing without you, and we love bringing you top quality podcasts and the best downloadable content we can for your tabletop needs. So thank you to our Dragon Tier supporters, which is the highest level of support you can give us here at SNWP. Thank you, David H., Steve S., Doug K., Kirsten C., and F. Sutton. We could not do this without you. I'm excited. Are you? Are you excited? Yeah. Okay. Like, literally, I'm hard as a rock right now. Shut the fuck up, John. Guys, do you believe in magic? Well, yeah. Do you? I mean, do you really? Yeah. I mean, I feel like our friendship is magical. <laughs> I believe in the heart of the dice. The dice decideth. The dice magic or the magic dice. <laughs> Some people do have magic dice. That's true. Some people like Cody have cursed dice. <laughs> That's true, actually. He's not even here to defend himself nope. tonight. Nobody he defend he, himself. He, he wouldn't. He, he'd be like, yeah. He knows it's true. Yep. His dice are always fucked. Yeah, he knows yeah. it's true. You always use the same dice. And, uh, mostly, yeah. Yeah. Depending mostly. on where my location is. And you don't roll like a bunch of the same. Like if you have three attacks, you don't roll three D20s. You roll the same D20 three times. Mm-hmm. Is that is there because you believe your dice are special or something? Or? Probability. Oh. If the dice lands on a lower number, I feel like that is taken out of the pool. Mathematically, it's unlikely to roll the same number again. So I'm more likely to roll a different number. But if I roll three D20s, then that's... Only one notch per dice. So you're driven by <laughs> what? You're driven by mathematics. I mean, theoretical mathematics. <laughs> Some, somebody with a math math major is going to be like, "Yeah, that's bullshit." But He's over like, here, and it's like, "Hey, it works." Get a load of this kid. I'm gonna I'm gonna call that superstition. Maybe. But I did roll like eight twenties last time. So hey, I was banking those. Well, on you were banking twenties. Math, math was true. on your side for sure. Yeah. Like, like no legit. He's not even flexing on everybody no, right no, now. He not, rolled yeah. like eight D uh, twenties. Like it was unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, so uh, welcome to, to uh, legend lore <laughs> brought to you <laughs> by strange new worlds productions. Yeah. yeah. Now that we've been talking for 10 minutes. <laughs> we're all loosey goosey tonight. So we're running uh we're running shy a couple of our members today, but uh we do have the great DM Osborne. <laughs> God damn it. I literally I literally literally set you up with the great and you're like DM Osborne. <laughs> well set me up. I'll, I'll I'll nail it. No, don't do it. No, no, no. And then also with us we have the fantastic, the stupendous, the miraculous, the wonderful DM Rockfizz. Shut up, mom. So, <laughs> so, 
So today we are going to be talking about magic items. Yeah. Well, we've talked about magic. We have. And we've talked about monsters. We've talked about a lot of stuff this season. Yeah, uh, uh, this is episode 23. Crazy. Wow. Crazy. Two more to the end of season one. Truly yeah. stupendous. I'm proud of us. I think we I think we really put a lot of heart into this and uh, appreciate all of our patrons. We appreciate all of our supporters. Uh, you know, just it's it's just awesome. The level of support that's uh, that's out there. And, you know, yeah, we, we've talked about a lot of stuff. And tonight we're going to talk about magic items. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm also proud of us, too. Well, I'm proud of I'm proud of Keenan. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of Cody. I'm definitely proud of Matt. Yeah, for sure, Matt. Yeah. Uh, John, we've been meaning to talk to you for a while. What? That you really need to step oh. up your game. Um. All right. <laughs> well, nobody's proud of me. Um, no, man. I think that uh, magic items are obviously a really important part of D&D. Um, really important part of any tabletop role-playing game. Yep. But I think in D&D especially, um, you know, mechanically a magic item is a way to add something to your character that is not part of your class, your race. Right. It's not part of your build per se. Um, and it's a way to differentiate yourself, right? Especially because a lot of times it's tied to the story, right? So like I remember when Chud got his, uh, his throwing axe that could return to his hand and like how that became <laughs> such a part of his personality and just like everything he did in combat was around that then he had to relinquish it and then mike took it away from me towards the end of the campaign <laughs> and gave me a better hammer eventually and i'm like i don't want this dirty hammer <laughs> i want my boomerang axe kurt's kurt's going through something similar to that too he lost an item uh when he got captured by uh uh, oh my god! I forgot the dude's name. Uh, Karnstein. Karnstein. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, so he lost. He lost an item. So he wasn't happy about losing that. Isn't that funny either. though? How you can become so attached to a magic item, mm -hmm. um, and, and so like we're we're just gonna kind of free, you know, I start to say free ball <laughs> it. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go to free ball it tonight. Talk well, about magic well, items. You know, you know I'm going commander. Take our right pants now. off. It's going to be a great podcast. Really sad. Cody and Matt couldn't be here for this one. I think that from now on, when we just spitball, we free ball. <laughs> we free ball. <laughs> so I'm not going to go there. I'm so, not going to go there. Wait, wait. So we're not supposed to be doing these podcasts pantless. Uh. You know, it is a free country and it is your house. So okay, because you've never said anything to me about that. That was supposed I, to be the finale of season one surprise reveal. No. We're all pantsless, yeah. but yeah, because they don't know they don't have a camera in here. <laughs> I like my, I like my uh, podcast mates like I like my mimosas. Bottomless. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you guys are in for a treat with this episode. Apparently, uh, oh, it turns out Matt and Cody were the maturing force, force in our, yeah, in our podcast so, table. Definitely. This kind of happened when we had Tommy on too for the the metal episode, and it was like you, me, and Tommy, and it kind of got off the rails. It just got really, off the rails early. really quick. <laughs> Oh, Lord. If you didn't know, today's episode is going to be about magic items. Right, <laughs> just to, right. just to reiterate that, I, I, it's not a bunch of ball through jokes. The, through the talk about, you know, balls and no pants. And yeah, we're here to talk about magic items. Um, so let's start with this question. Yep. In all the different campaigns you've played as a player, uh, what's been your favorite magic item that your character got to have? How about top three? Sure. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I, yeah. All I, right. Oh, you start. Okay. You start. I, like, I can go with one. Okay. Really mundane. Cloak of protection. Really? It's effective. It's uncommon or it's common or co uncommon. Um, it's a plus one to your AC. Any class can use it. Super useful. Doesn't require attunement. 
For me though, it's always been a fashion accessory because you can have a big cloak of whatever color you want with a sigil on the back or tattered, not tattered. It really can like help fill out your character looking like a hero or a villain. And I think that that's really powerful. Plus the plus one AC is super useful. And if you play like Mike does, you can stack it. It's so like a ring mm -hmm. of protection plus that. And I have a plus two to my AC and a shield. You have a huge bump to yeah. your stats. I really like cloak ring cloak protection. I think the fashion accessory of the cloak part is really cool, though. I think yeah. it's great. And aren't they? Don't they also give you plus one to saving throws too? And we just always forget to add that. <sighs> they might uh, do that yeah, too. Actually, I think pretty much every, every well, every well, at least yeah, every protection item gives I you. I think they do uh, a plus to your saving throws. Yeah. yeah, and we're just really Which stupid. Sometimes we, I don't know. That, I don't know we ever remember that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's things that we forget all the time. Oh, so. absolutely. Plus, I'm a big Spawn fan, and he has a super badass cape. Yeah, so. true. Absolutely. Um, well, what about you, Mikey? So I obviously I don't get to play. Well, until the last five years, I haven't got to play as much as I have DM'd. I'm gonna have to say probably my number one favorite magic item that I that I've had so far has been the Staff of Power. Mm. Oh yeah. Let me tell you, the Staff of Power came in handy so many times in Realms of the Dragon mm -hmm. because it's what it really did is not is not just that it was yes it did cool things, but what it did was it allowed me to save my spell slots. Mm -hmm. And since I already had the extra spell slot per level for the deep magic spells, when we were going through that dungeon grind of forever that took like twenty two sessions, and we were going through it and every and we were like using everybody was using up their abilities and you wouldn't let us rest. We, there was no way we could rest. I still had full spell slots almost by the time we got to the end for that final fight yeah that was super important because i was just using that i was using everything every, every yeah, you were using all your magic i had items, i yeah. had staff of fire i had uh, not staff fire what a camera was called, uh, it was uh, ice i think you had a staff of yeah it, there's a name for it that but, yeah, but it was basically fire it was like fireballs and yeah. stuff like that and then i had that staff of power and it just allowed me to conserve all my spell slots for the final battle so that's definitely my number one. Yeah. For me, it was uh, Chud's Echo Fish. And not because the item itself was in any way, like helpful to my bar, my orc barbarian uh because if i remember like the echo fish it had like random abilities like you could speak with fish well, you could well, create you, water yeah you could like create water you, i think you did a little bit of healing well, not it, much it wasn't so random it was just all water based it was all it water became, based, it came yeah. from the atlantean society so you could you could travel by water you could literally have taken all of you guys like which i think we did one time like a body of water i think yeah. we did do that one time um, but it was really not set up for you it really wasn't <laughs> but but chud loved that item and protected it so fiercely and it became again part of his yeah. personality was tied to that echo fish you existed it into the universe actually by your first the first session yeah as you've all heard in tavaria where he he made up the echo fish and uh That's what he thought like he heard. used it yeah. yeah he thought he heard an echo fish and so we had to make one yeah and well it was like a it was like a riddle we had yeah. to solve the well you know yeah. if you get our uh, quest for boost adventure on our website right like there's a riddle in there and yep. in chud interpreted that riddle the way a dumb <laughs> half-orc barbarian might and thought well the answer is some kind of echo fish yeah, it's obviously an echo fish and then yeah. mike later on is like there actually is an echo fish artifact out there oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fun stuff that's great yeah. um i can't believe keenan didn't uh, pick the chalice of boost uh, that's my number one i said three. Oh, 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 that's oh you're right. starting with number three off. i started yeah. up i was starting oh, up at the yeah. top you're going you're going i'm going, I'm going easy right. it's like click right. protection you think that's my number one <laughs> no 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 of course not <laughs> Hmm. My second one, I might say the it's the Nine Life Stealer. Oh, that's a great one. Um, it's a cool sword. It's got like up to nine rubies in the hilt of it, and then I think that if you kill something with it, you can heal like three d eight, and it's just a plus one or plus two sword. But I read something at one time. Someone did it where they had it it set up so once the player 
got all nine kills, it was going to do something. And then that made me think that like you could have it like summon a demon or like unlock another power or do something interesting to it. And I think that that when they give you a little bit of room or items do something or have kill counts or use counts that aren't just counting down to emptiness, that's really fun to play with because you might need to save a charge or maybe it's going to unlock something different in that uh, item. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Man, I don't. You know, I literally at this moment cannot think of three favorite magic items that I've had as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, now, quite honestly, I can't. I mean, obviously, the ring of protections, that kind of stuff. Like, like Keenan said, they're very handy because mm-hmm. you get the, your, your saves. But I can't think of anything personally that has a character. I mean, we. I talked about a little bit how I had my my one magic item from uh, from my sam original samurai that i that i played that was like uh it was basically a lightsaber oh yeah but it had limited charges well yeah but it, but let me tell you i liked i was it was great pulling that thing out i bet know. yeah i so i the one of my favorite of all time i actually have i don't know that i've ever actually been able to use as a player but i love the deck of many things or oh, i should say well, i like the idea well i was gonna i was gonna after things. we get done with our list i was gonna get i wanted to move on to, to talking about items that are already out there that sometimes aren't necessarily beneficial i don't know how they're not combat related yeah you know utility uh, items yeah uh, item utility items role-playing items basically okay yeah, so yeah. all right we can dig into that then so back to me back to you. yeah okay what's your number then one it's the chalice of boost boost in typical boost fashion the chalice of boost was completely broken by game standards yep. but if you were to fight what mike threw at us you you we literally had to have it so my character serial was a cleric who i've kind of kitted her out to just be the best healing machine possible and i really like healing i like playing the healer so with this i was able to cast or any uh spell i had that had healing uh, rolling dice to heal was always maxed um it had a number of spells already in it, it had a couple of other features too oh i could cast i could even though I was like fifth or seventh level when I got it, I was able to cast, um, what was that feast called? Kiro's Feast. Kiro's Feast, feast yeah. which removed, uh, you couldn't be feared for like 24 hours yeah. and poisoned, I think, too. And that saved I circumvented so an entire part of Mike's campaign by doing that. Because like everyone would look up like, oh, yo, Hero's Feast plus HP heal uh, and you're not you're immune to fear and it just ruined part of his campaign yeah that was that was a uh, that was DM Mike early on learning fifth edition and screwing himself it was quite funny but <laughs> well, <laughs> the power level really made us competitive with what Mike can throw at us and it really yeah. upped the playing field because there was times where we would get down so low and I do a full heal on the party which require a couple of turns but then we would immediately get battered back down. It wasn't like, oh, now we just win. It was, he could throw incredible threats at us and make us fight and, and be terrified multiple times in an encounter. Well, that's one of the things that, uh, look, I embrace it with, with the way I like to play things. I like to make the stakes pretty high. Uh, I know that sometimes Cody had, has kind of looked at me funny a couple times. Well, this is this is broken. I'm like, no, it's not if you think about it in the terms of the way I run my games. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with like Hell Squad. Yeah, it seems like there's some broken shit in Hell Squad. And it's crazy. Yeah, by fifth edition standards, it's broken. But not the way I run games. Right. It fits perfectly. I think there's a powerful principle in there, right? Like, as a DM, you need to understand what you're throwing at your players. And then magic items are a great way to power up your players Mm -hmm. in order to meet what you're throwing at them, right? And reward them. Yeah. Yeah. For exploration, for um, defeating big bads, adversaries, like looting things, exploring things, and finding a sacred relic on a path you didn't think they would take. Like, that's always the reward. Yeah. Think of narrative things you could do, like um, side with a a shady character, but he's going to give you an item that helps make the big fight easier. Mm -hmm. And, like, now as the player, you got to decide, oh my gosh, do I 
you know, do the slightly not heroic thing here and, and have an easier fight yeah. or do, you know, it's cool stuff you can do with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a ton. I mean, that's, there's a ton of great things about the magic items that you can, you can use within the story itself. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit about the more, I don't want to call them mundane items. Cause I don't think mundane is the right word. Like utility or utility role playing items that kind of that, that work in that way. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorites actually came out of second edition and I've replicated some of those actually for fit 5e because they were nowhere in the, well, we'll get to the magic items in 5e in a second here. Um, at least the ones that, you know, were, came out in the first books. Um, so two of my favorites were the warp marble. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is basically this marble sized marble that you can command to basically capture somebody. Mm-hmm. And if you successfully capture someone, they're trapped inside this marble and they don't need air, water, food, and you can keep them in there. And that's, that's cool, right? Eventually, you know, if you're trying to defeat somebody, you got to let them back out. So, but it is a good way to like, just to trap somebody for a moment. And it had some interesting features. Like if, obviously, if you try to put somebody else in there, that other person popped back out and stuff. But what happened with my player characters is they got very creative in how they used that. It wasn't just about capturing somebody because that was always hard to do anyways, right? They, they had their saves and maybe they, 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 fit, they made their save and they didn't get sucked in, but they would use it to gather information sometimes. Like they'd leave the warp marble like on a table and, you know, go out, be within command range, do the command and capture somebody so they could talk to them without getting, you know, without having to fight to talk right. to them because they get prepared. They let the person out, boom, and then they're surrounding the person. Obviously, there's not going to be a fight. They can talk to this guy. The other thing they did very creatively is they took they took Charlie's half ogre fighter slash thief Gillian and they would put him in the warp marble. Okay. And then they would take that warp marble and either slingshot it or throw it behind enemy lines or over whatever. <laughs> and basically getting him into places he's where he's basically a Pokemon. Yeah, he's basically a Pokemon. He was a Pokemon. He was a Pokemon before there was really a Pokemon. And uh, that was a, just a super creative use of that. And that came out of the Tome of Magic, I believe. If I oh, remember Tome correctly. of Magic was a great and book then, in second edition. Yeah, another great one that came out of the uh, Tome. And so and this, this, this is what I'm saying by demonstrating a utility item, right? And the other one that came out of that, too, that really demonstrated a utility item was, no, no, it wasn't out of that. Maybe it was out of the Sea of Fallen Stars book. It was called the Crystal Parrot. And the Crystal Parrot can basically be put anywhere, right? And it could it could either record things that it sees within a certain range, or it could be used as an alarm system. Mm. So it was a great way if they needed a, a room guarded, but they're not going to be in it. They set it off. You know, somebody set that trap or that the, the alarm off, and then they know, oh, shit, somebody's in that room. And or to have it as a backup when you had somebody on watch. Yeah. So so there's just just items like that I've just always I really love loved. that man. Like I could imagine like uh recording a corrupt town official, mm-hmm. you know, and then playing it for the you know the mm-hmm. the citizens and like th- that's cool, you know. And I think you bring up a good point. Like magic items don't always have to be about combat. Yeah, and they don't have to be super powerful to be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can actually change things really if you think about it. They can change they can change narratives in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They can. Um, well, how do you guys feel about, um, like you were talking earlier about, you know, having a cloak of protection and a ring of protection. Like, how do you feel about, you know, five E caps you right on the amount of attuned magic items you can have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we, use, well, I don't think we've ever played that way. I think no. we've always just allowed, uh, within reason. I mean, obviously if somebody's like, Oh, more than 10 rings of protection, like we'd be like, nah, but, yeah. um, I but always, also, I always go off the one magic ring on each hand rule is my, right. I think that's actually how it might be. Cause in certain things aren't, um, attunable like cloak and protection yeah. and aren't attunable items it's only like higher powered level items are required to be attuned right so but how do you how do you decide like when there's 
too much magic items or not enough or um you know i don't know it depends on the campaign you're playing you know me i love running high magic stuff i mean I really do it's the best to play it's the best to play I, I mean, I've always done the same thing you did. And like, I'll be like, okay, you can have a ring on each finger, you know, or, you know, but I would let you expand. Oh, you could have an earring. You can have a nipple ring. Now, if you want a scrote ring, you have a scrote ring. I don't care. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> you know, things like that. You can only wear one cloak, obviously. You can only one wear piece, uh, one piece of armor, obviously, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like with weapons and stuff, I'm like, shit, man, if you, if, if you played long enough that you got a plus two, you know, rapier and you got a plus one dagger and you have a crossbow with its plus two or whatever, you know, whatever you have, that's fine. Yeah. I don't think you should limit that stuff because they're only going to be using one weapon at a time anyway. Yeah. As long right. as they have a reason to store it. So like if you had like an arsenal like that, if they had a uh, bag of holding yeah or yeah, if, there, yeah. if it was yeah, like you're a, not walking around a large like, fighter maybe he can have three swords on his person because yeah. stuff like that wasn't really common but if you look at like um japan you always had a wakajashi and a katana when you right. were a samurai like you had to have both yeah it's like having dual weapons and multiple weapons on you that's fair so yeah. it's not like encumbrance yeah i think so uh I, I i think as far as the attunement thing goes the only thing i've really enforced attunement on is a lot of the very high level items like you're like the artifacts yes like the, the the artifacts that you guys went after and got like chalice of booze and the echo fish and the silver arm of quorum and all that stuff um but like for like the low level items even some of the ones they say you have to attune to i'm just like you know now why yeah yeah you I know, agree. It's funny you bring up artifacts because in, in when I was a teenager, when uh, TSR released the book of artifacts, oh, that's good. Um, I ju- that was one of the first supplements I, I bought on my own, uh, or I got my dad to buy for me, and um, <laughs> like. I was in study hall and I remember Lily opening this thing and having no idea what I was about to read. Just like uh, this it had a cool cover. I think it had like the hand around Wagner or something like on the front. And so anyway, I start reading this thing and they did a great job of explaining how an artifact is more than just a magic item. It's right. like this really, it's a history. Yeah. So like, maybe, behind so it. what, what to you guys is an artifact? What separates it from other magic items? I think it's just that personally. I think it's the lore behind it. It's not just the cloak. Someone made an imbued magic to it's like, this was the sword that a thousand Kings have used over a hundred thousand years. Like as this, I mean, for lack of a better term, artifact level <laughs> quality, it's something that's ancient or of immense power or something that's, I would consider game changing both, in the story and in the um or but either either or in combat or story reasons is game changing for the player or even the story yeah i'd piggyback on that and say that yes the lore is very important with that right and an artifact should also if you're bringing an artifact into your game as as it should it should be a story element yeah it shouldn't just be hey i'm going to bring this powerful artifact in here the characters use it should impact the story in some way shape or form and i think also to me what differentiates a artifact from a regular magic item is that if an artifact has that lore about it and often the powers tie into that lore they're very purposeful yeah yes for sure you know they're they're very powerful but it's very powerful for a purpose yeah well it's funny you say that because in that book i remember them saying like you know basically what you guys just said it's tied to some major event it's tied to some huge power thing um, one of the things they said that was interesting that I think you broke the rule on Mike, but it worked perfectly in your campaign was you really should never have more than one artifact mm-hmm. in a campaign. Well, Mike made a campaign where there was like six, six. artifacts. <laughs> so how do, how do you, I mean, like, were you worried that that would break the campaign if you had all no, those? No, I, I, I wasn't because the artifacts truly were the MacGuffin 
of the quest for booze. They yeah. truly were. They were the MacGuffin for the quest for the booze. The true story was really about the lost souls of time and mm-hmm. about what they were doing. But when you guys started out, you didn't know that. Right. You didn't know. You you, you basically you won the you won the you won the challenge to, to to go find the chalice of booze. You found the chalice of booze, and then you found out about this echo fish, and that this the, the cult of the black goat or had, had was involved, and all this stuff. And you didn't. So you didn't know anything about the overall story that was going on, the, the bigger picture that was going on. And then suddenly you find yourself kind of getting drawn into this the, to, to this bigger story, finding about finding out about the, line, the alignment of ten thousand spheres, or as Chud liked to call it, alignment of the ten thousand beers, <laughs> the alignment of ten thousand beers, and then each item was part of part of that story to drive you forward and i and as you gathered each item you became more powerful but sometimes at a cost right right there was definitely cost for everything and some of the items you know i mean you had like the uh, paradox yeah which nobody could really you were like fuck we can't even wield this thing yeah it was the the codex of infinite planes you were like we used it twice because you guys were fucking frightened as shit because it had such detrimental effects yeah Yeah, every time you used it you were risking summoning a tarasque into the realm yeah i mean so many things you're risking your sanity doing all these things so i wasn't worried about that because it was incremental so by the time you got to the point where you were going after that final item so you could basically uh you know uh bring them together as the unity and make sure that the the ten thousand the alignment didn't happen and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, it just it was never a fear, yeah. Because you were getting incrementally more powerful. The things that I was throwing out, you were getting more and more insane. You know, be, beyond just the astral dreadnought, the stuff that you guys were fighting was insane. So as long as you were planning ahead for that stuff, but I planned ahead for that stuff. I knew bringing those artifacts in, it would be like, oh, these are really powerful. This shit can really change things. So I, I made it slow progression. Yeah, I would say as a rookie DM or even an intermediate DM, I wouldn't try it. No, yeah. no, yeah. I'd, I'd be nervous to do it. Like, I'll also say that Mike, you did a really good job making sure each item was super unique. There wasn't anything that it wasn't just a bunch of super powerful weapons. We all had to just kill everything really quick. Like we had a healing item. We had like the Echo Fish, which is kind of an odd one. We had the the Book of um, the Codex of Infinite Codex Planes, of Planes yeah. which was like a uh, teleportation plane yeah. shifting but one. with risk with yeah. huge risk we had the boost which is a healing item and then yeah we had what the only really weapon was the uh, sword slumbringer yeah right? pretty much well silver the silver armor oh, of Murata d- definitely gave uh david's character some more combat abilities yeah but yeah the only the only weapon was black razor they were things uh, that most of the abilities affected or maybe it was 50 50 but they affected out of combat as much as in combat and that was what kind of made them not destroy the story yeah yeah, and I think that's important. I mean, you, if you're going to bring an artifact, you, you have to integrate integrate it into the story. You can't let it overpower the story. Yeah. You can't let the characters become too powerful with it. So if they get it, you, you have to know that that means you have to be, as a DM, thinking about, okay, how do I still make this a threat when they encounter the bad guys? Yeah, absolutely. And it might take a session to figure that out. And it, it might, yeah. the floor with something you had and go, okay, cool, next time I can throw something way tougher. Yeah, think. I mean, there was times that we talked about that in the mid, in the mid levels. I mean, that's why I brought out the Astro Dead, Dreadnought because you guys were kind of walking over. Like, you had probably two or three sessions in a row where you guys just clobbered some people. Moshed everybody down in like no time at all and I, was, and I went okay i'm i'm you know we're still learning 5e at that point too even though you guys are pretty high level that's when i went oh you know what i need to i need to just hire now i need to relook at the action economy of a combined group of of this with the magic items everything i took all that into account and said okay you know what they can take this creature 
they can take this combination of things. Yeah. So when you look at fighting enemies, sorry, I'm grabbing whiskey. <laughs> just, we're we're multitasking yeah, strange I mean, new worlds. I, I, I think normally I would edit that out, but no, I'm, I'm just going to leave, gonna leave that one. I'm going to leave that one. I mean, they hear the cigars getting lit up and the, mm. and the pouring of the whiskey. Yep. Um, so one thing that I think about, maybe you guys can tell me that I'm overthinking it, but like, a lot of times in these campaigns, especially as we get higher level, we're fighting very powerful enemies, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I notice is that we have an arsenal of magic items, potions, scrolls, all this other stuff. And a lot of times, in, you know, Big Bad is the exception because he usually does have a couple magic items. But a lot of times we're not seeing magic items and i know when i'm writing a campaign i'm almost doing that on purpose like i'm like well i don't want every time you guys kill this you know cult cell or whatever like they're gonna drop five plus one daggers and you know like every one of them's got a bag of holding and they right. all got a bunch of potions like so but is that disingenuous to play it that way Ooh, that's a good question so i'm glad you brought this up because this is something that i changed between my second edition DMing and my fifth edition DMing. I often used to give the bad guys magic items, mm -hmm. like more often than I do now. And the reason was is because 5e and the the spikes of power and even the powers that the NPCs and the bad guys get mm -hmm. kind of almost negate magic items in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then the use of the, the power of magic items and the use of magic items. So back in second edition or even advanced it, even though I didn't really DM that, I just DM second edition. Yeah, you guys might have some magic weapons, but you literally have to give the bad guys some magic weapons to compete with the party. Right. To make them actually be able to stand toe to toe, toe with the party. But now, a lot of the bad guys, they have, you know, they have a lot, they've had some pretty powerful, cool, special features. We'll just right? think about legendary actions. Legendary actions, yeah. layer actions, all kinds of different things. It's, and even the minions, some of the tougher, smaller guys in there are actually pretty powerful compared yeah. to like the old monsters of, of old yeah. and what they can do. So also remember, CR doesn't factor in any weapons, yeah. mm. any any uh, magic items at all. So if you do have one or if every par uh, player has one, it'll affect your CR, maybe effectively one or two levels higher even, yeah. Yeah. depending that's, on what they are. That's a good point. And, and when you talk about second edition, one of the things that I remember is that you know the actual classes themselves were not nearly as powerful oh, as 5e. No, no. Like you could be a level 15 fighter, which was, you know. Look, 5e is the most player-friendly version of D&D that's ever been. Yeah. It is character-friendly. It is literally, it gives you guys so much more power and freedom of what you can do with your your action economy than any other version of D&D has ever done. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's also the, the one edition that's really hard to actually kill a character. Yeah. It really is, unless you're totally overpowering your characters with whatever you're throwing them up, throwing against them, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, to me, that's one of the reasons why I don't actually give a lot of, or give my bad guys a lot of magic items. I do my big bad guys. You've seen that. Right. But even then, they're not super powerful stuff. All right. Well, let's change gears a little bit. Um, what about loot tables? Random loot tables. How do you feel about that? Okay. So, if you were to go to, like, an abandoned fortress that would be a place for one right like okay we're exploring a bunch of different rooms mm -hmm. and like maybe it's looted maybe it's not roll for that like and have maybe a table that you make or find one but something that's got maybe something really interesting and then some miscellaneous stuff or maybe just descriptions of the room even like you find um a room full of barrels it looks like it would be a food supply room and digging through there you feel like there's not going to be anything worth of value like you can add some ambiance to it as far as like if you're doing a scripted fight in the game i would avoid that i think that that's lame if you want to give them something give it to them they shouldn't have to like hope that your dice are going to provide them with any sort of boon right i, I agree with 
Keenan 100% on that. I think if it's a dungeon crawl, yeah, sure, that's great. Random tables are awesome. If you are using random encounters in your game and you randomly encounter a group of bandits, sure, that's great. But I agree totally. It, it needs to kind of needs to kind of fit the storyline and fit with the character, or, you know, with, with the characters a little bit and also fit with the group that maybe you just fought too. Mm-hmm. Instead of just having rolling random shit. Yeah, like if yeah. you want to play a realism game, maybe it's fun to roll that. But like if all your characters use short swords and bows and they just keep finding plus one halberds because you roll that like <laughs> yeah they could switch but if their character's like oh i'm a swords master like just th- like them to have to take a weapon just because it's better but not what they want to use is kind of lame well it's kind of the no. the, the warcraft uh approach yeah, right just, like you just hope your item drops that you've been looking yeah. for you know yeah. well, well i guess i guess we could put a caveat on that too that maybe maybe if you are not a, a very experienced dm then the random tables could be very helpful for you. Right. If you're not really sure what kind of magic items should be part of the loot, then definitely could be very helpful. Or if you're doing a very, very high magic campaign and every time you have an encounter, there's magic items, which yeah. would be crazy. Well, I think there's probably a player type out there too, and DM for that matter, that likes random rolls. And yeah. just in general, they like random yeah. stuff. Like, cause yeah. I don't know what you're going to get in the dragon's treasure trove. You know, let's see what the dice say, right. you know, and, like, oh, see, that'd be a good opportunity, though, because it's a treasure trove, right. right? Like, there could be some weird, wacky stuff in there you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's got the loot, the the magical loot, because he killed a bard 100 years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but I like that. We were, you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about, like, how 5e kind of ruined magic items. No, I actually think John was saying that, but I, oh, I, I agreed. I, I agreed with that. I don't totally. think I said they ruined them. I just, I, I, I feel like magic items in 5e... Uh, at least as they are in the Dungeon Master's Guide, which is really the magic item book. So, so, so actually yeah. what you said is that they didn't ruin them. You said Wizards of the Coast ruined D&D? No, no, no. <laughs> my future lords and masters, no. I did not say that. <laughs> Once I get out of this damn startup company and go to the big boys. Okay, why don't, we, uh, why don't we take a quick break here and let one of our boys do a little talking to the audience, and then we will kind of come back to that, and we'll talk a little bit about 5e and the magic items in it that, we, that we've encountered, what we read about. Maybe talk about some of the homebrew stuff you've seen online, too, because actually I'm finding some of my most interesting magic items I'm actually finding online. Hi friends, this is your favorite half-orc barbarian, Chud. Chud likes stories, and nobody does stories like the gang at Strange New Worlds. They're almost as good as my bard buddy, Sick Daddy. Hey, 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 his name is Sig Dad. Sig Dad. Shut up, Boblin. Anyways, you can go to their website. It's a website. Okay, so don't know what it is? And download free adventure shops and other goodies. You can even give them some money, too. They got a free pet shop. You know Chud loves pets. You can even get my favorite adventure of all time, The Quest for Boost. That's the one where I met my best friends, Sario and Dayday. Hey, hey, hey. His name is Diego. Shut up, Bolin. He's my best friend. Hey, is that my echo fish in your pocket? Uh-oh. That's my cue to go. Oh, come here, you stinker. Everyone else, go to snwproductions.com today. Faboos! Faboos! All right, so yeah, let's uh, continue with uh, the whole uh, magic item. Okay, so, so I did, forgot what we were talking about for a second, apparently. Well, so did... Did they not do a good job with magic items in 5e? Let's just ask it like that. Yes. Okay. Yes, they did, or yes, they didn't. <laughs> they did a bad job. <laughs> okay. It looks like an afterthought. It's all crammed in the DM's guide. 
Um, the items are really uninspired. Like, you have yes. some classics, which is great, but it's, like, super boring. Yeah. Uh, I would agree it, completely. It feels, it feels like they maybe thought magic items wouldn't be maybe as a big a deal because, you, you to your point earlier, Mike, mm-hmm. the classes are so powerful as right. they're built. But I think that there's just something about magic items that players are always going to want to gravitate yeah. to. It's an yeah. item of power. It's something to claim as your own and to... And to incorporate into who you are and your fighting style or your appearance or anything like that yeah yeah no i mean i think i think i think you're right i think that i think magic items do feel like an afterthought just like i think what were we talking about the other day that was kind of that felt like an afterthought we were just talking about in 5e uh I don't remember. Oh, great. That's good. Well, we'll, we'll edit that out because Jesus, I, we were talking about it and I can't remember. It might have even been magic items. Maybe it was magic items. Yeah, yeah it does. It, they do feel like an afterthought. They are, as, as Keenan said, they're not super inspired. Nothing's really super original and they do take some of the classic ones and that's it. They don't come up. There's nothing to me that's really new. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, like, honestly, if I don't have an idea for magic items myself, I'll go to homebrew stuff online and look because I found some really neat items there. Yeah. I, I mean, think, Paradox, I think community... Paradox came from there. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, Paradox wasn't mine. That was the only item out of the unit. Well, Black Razor's not technically mine, except for I made it actually more like Stormbringer because uh-huh. that's what it's yeah. based on. And I made it more emulate those powers. So I changed what it was. I changed what the, the uh, Codex of Infinite Planes did. Uh, but Paradox wasn't mine. Have you checked out snwproductions.com? What? Do they do they have magic items they there? They do whole entire shops that sell magic items. What? So you have like characterized shops, themed, way to put them in your campaign, story hooks, and then entirely original items. Wait, wait, are, is it like a series? It is. It's called Steal Your Shops. What? Steal Our Shops, excuse me. So that would have to be a very expensive set of supplements to purchase. They're actually extremely affordable. Oh, so free. I, I don't have to roll a slide of hand checks to steal them. You don't. You can oh. just download them on the website. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was shameless it was plug. Like we, it was almost like we practiced that and we didn't. We did not. No, no it didn't seem like you practiced it at all, actually. <laughs> no, but, but for real, though, I, I would like to be the guy who comes out and says, we don't talk about our company enough. We do this podcast That's to entertain true. and yeah. to educate. But honestly, we have an amazing company full of people who really care and understand D&D as well as what it's be like to be a player and a DM. Yeah. We offer yeah. quality products a lot of the times at free or very little expense, like a dollar or less for a supplement that can really add a lot of yeah, lore and flavor to your campaign. Our most expensive adventure we have is like five ninety nine or four ninety nine. Yeah. Think. Yeah. That's so, the most. Uh, but no, I, I agree. Uh, I think that is something that we've embraced at least I know Keenan and I've definitely very embraced. And I think now I'm kind of getting Cody to embrace it a little bit too, <laughs> since we're working on a shop together yeah. based, based off the Thieves Like Us uh, adventure. Uh, there's a shop in there uh, where the, the the guy that kind of starts the adventure for the party is a fence, basically, right? So we're creating a fence. And within the fence shop itself, we have a list of mundane items, right? It's not published yet, by the way, but coming out this month, uh, we have a list of mundane items. Like all our magic shops, you can get mundane items. And what that means is that the DM can decide, okay, they, there's going to be a plus one sword or plus one dagger or whatever. And then we list out some very unique items. All and original. All original. And that's the one thing I, I really feel that like we've embraced is I think we have taken what 5e had did not do in the original publications with magic items. And we've, we've embraced that uniqueness. And they're not all about combat. They're and, not I, all, and I would say they're they're not all like overpowered and stuff. They're not either. overpowered. I think you can insert them in just about any campaign. I mean, some might be more powerful than the others. Sure. Uh, and then it'd be up to the DM to decide, oh yeah, I'm not going to let my character buy that kind of thing. Uh, but I think that we, we, we've embraced that whole ideal of making these things unique. 
making these things utilitarian at times, or utilitarian, I guess would be the proper way to say that at times, uh, and just making them fun too. We got a lot of fun magic items in there. Well, a lot of times the the items are very thematic to the mm-hmm. shop. Like I, I just uh, wrote Halfling's Leaf, which yep. is a magic shop where a halfling uh, has basically curated a bunch of herbs and tobacco leaves and different things like that that are enchanted. And when you, you can smoke them, you can make a tea out of them. You can just ingest them. You know, basically you can take them however you want. Whatever's um, thematic. What's that? Whatever's thematic. If you're a smoker, you're, yeah, you if, you, if you're like, you want to make a tea, yeah. make a tea. I mean, we're, we're a lot of us in the company are cigar smokers. So it was kind of started with that idea. And then I was like, well, I don't want it to just be for cigar smokers or people who like to smoke. I want it to be for anybody. Yeah. You make a sale out of the year. Exactly. Ago. And, and what I liked about that challenge as I was creating that was like, it really let me do something that's not in the game, not in five E as written, right? Consumables. And it's a consumable, but it's a consumable that follows like some special rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if you know, you, you want to, for example there's a, an herb that makes you resistant to to cold damage right like mm-hmm. and if you take that uh, you know an hour before you know you're going into the, the ice dragons uh or the, you know, the white dragons uh gonna save your butt. my save your butt you know so it's like cool stuff like that and there's some really creative stuff in all of our shops that we've made that i think we all have cause yeah. to be proud of yeah absolutely i think so i think when and one of the things i like is too is so talking about magic items a lot of them like there's the whole cursed magic item thing what we did kind of unique i think too that i had not seen before is and the weird thing was is that john and i did this at the same time mm-hmm. without even knowing it because he was working on his shop uh, but with with the tobacco and all that stuff and i was working on a shop with the fungi oh yeah you know that's yeah. and we basically were both doing the same thing where we had a detriment to using this magic mm-hmm. th- this kind of magic so there is the bonus you get and there's a detriment and the detriment's not necessarily really bad it's nothing that's gonna be game breaking it's nothing that's gonna make your char- uh, a character not want to use this item mm-hmm. and I thought that was kind of cool because we've never, I've never seen that before. Yeah, like it was no, just absolutely. It was, and that's and, and you see curses all the time, and curses are usually pretty bad. Yeah, yeah a curse can really ruin yeah. it, or a curse can be it's simply either really bad or it's like silly and you can role play with it. But yeah. most of the time, it's like, oh, that wasn't worth picking up, and now I'm yeah. stuck to it. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. as Matt found out with the uh, Caliburn sword, <laughs> or oh, yeah. David with the axe of many things that every time he swung it did something <laughs> absurd, and he was obsessed with it and wouldn't let it go, even though it was ruining the game. Completely forgot that I created that oh it was great don't get me wrong <laughs> no, we had great. to pin we had to pin him down and then throw it in a in a lava, lava river yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh my god I totally and he was god. like we're, we're not having any more of this he was like our second strongest fighter like we yeah. it was it was a tough fight to get it out of him yeah, yeah i forgot about that man that was so great it was a great it was a great item very frustrating so i will say the only only time the cursed items are really good is for the dm oh yeah because it's entertaining it's hell for us yeah sure or plot yeah, for plot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, good stuff. Good stuff. Any other thoughts about uh, magic items, introducing them to campaigns? Anything you guys feel like we haven't touched on? No, I think we covered a lot of things. I think uh, the only thing I would say is that it's really going to be up to the DM, you know, how you want to introduce magic items into your storyline, the number you're going to use, uh, what kind of effect they're going to have on the party and encounters and the story itself it's all up to you as a dm so definitely you know we're, we're, we're talking about a lot of things that we like that are favorite to us and i love high level map campaigns but you don't necessarily have to roll with that in every campaign uh, we didn't in dark kingdom i mean you guys didn't even see a magic item until uh, the sword caliburn mm-hmm. which was cursed and i think that's it's that's that's the only thing i'd say is like you know embrace them fully your characters love them your players love them but don't let them dominate the game either Right. You know, I mean, we all love magic items, but we they should not 
take precedence over the story. Yeah, unless the story is about the magic item. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Keenan? I think you kind of summed it up perfectly. I'd say use them. Don't be afraid to use them. Um, if you end up giving things away that are too powerful, scale up your enemies. It's something I've noticed in kind of all of our groups. We like to kind of was like a sin curve where it just starts going up really yeah. fast. Like I like to see, I like to fight crazy things. I don't want to fight kobolds for yeah, <laughs> 15 levels. Like I want to fight a freaking dragon. Like yeah. <laughs> give me something that I can fight a dragon with. Don't just have a dragon steamroll me, make it a competitive fight. Make the dragon fear that I have a dragon's bane blade and yeah. make me fear the dragon's going to melt me with acid breath. Right. Well, I would definitely, I, I agree with that. Um, I think when you're first getting started as a DM and players, then yeah, those kobolds are a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're learning the system, but if you've been playing for a while and if you're going to, if you are going to be using more of the, uh, for lack of a better word, common monsters mm -hmm. yeah, it, could get, monster it, it could get kind of boring for your players that have already been through that before sure. yeah yeah uh, so for me there's this old saying right uh, we've all heard it it says uh you know it, to a hammer everything looks like a nail right mm -hmm. and as a dm you need to be cognizant of the fact that when your players get a magic item they will look for opportunities to <laughs> use it yeah, and true. so never get mad when you give your player something yeah. that they in turn use to change the, the campaign or the story or turn a situation away you didn't expect um you gave them the hammer and they're going for the nail yes on, for on sure. the offhand of that real quick also if you give them a weird item like what is this ever going to be good for make an opportunity where it's not like super obvious but it could be useful like make lesser useful magic items useful by what you throw at them that yeah. can be really interesting that's Absolutely. a good point and that goes back to uh some of our earlier discussions and earlier episodes about collective storytelling that kind of thing too that 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 actually connects very well to that is if you do like you said if you give a player a magic item and they use it in a way you don't expect don't punish them don't be mad about it just hey, roll with it yeah. hey maybe give them inspiration yeah. for the clever use of yeah, uh, the magic absolutely. item awesome dude we can almost do a whole entire whole episode thing. about ins inspiration oh that's a good <laughs> idea next time next time oh. <laughs> legend lore legend lore legend lore <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hey, if you do like what you've heard here today, please follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. That actually helps us kind of rise up the search engines and, and that kind of helps grow us. And we really want to keep doing this for you and keep bringing these things to you. Uh, before the episode, you heard a thank you for our patrons, but we're going to do it again. Thank you, patrons. We couldn't do this thing without you. And until next time, please, please, please keep rolling those nat 20s. <laughs>